Welcome back to another episode of Monday Madness Sports Talk. My name is Noah Festenstein, here talking the latest in Chicago sports and beyond. So let's get us started today with episode 218, all the way from Harper College Radio to Radio DePaul Sports. And always online on Spotify, Apple, and Google Podcasts, wherever you get your favorite podcasts. So let's begin. Here on October 25th, 2021, as we get set for the headlines this week. Had a lot going on last week with my personal life, so I was like, hey, you know what? Let's take a week off. And we were supposed to be on 88.3 FM this week, but I have decided to do a pre-recorded podcast today just so that I have the full scope of the Monday uh, to take advantage of because we got sports happening today, and I kind of want to get to everything after everything kind of significant happens. So here's what I'm going to do. Uh, it's it's going to be a different kind of podcast today. It's going to be more so like uh, straight to the point rather than, oh, kind of like, um, burning around the bush. You know, I'm not going to do that. I, I, today, I just want to get right to the point. I got five sports I want to talk about today. So I want to talk about the headlines. I want to talk about the, the things that are on top of everybody's mind in that area of sports, especially here in Chicago. So what I'm going to begin with today and what's on the top of my mind is that of the World Series that's about to start tomorrow. Uh, and it is the Houston Astros and Atlanta Braves. And I don't think anybody had that predicted. I know, I, I didn't even predict the final four correctly. I had all my teams that I predicted with the White Sox. I had the Rays going through. I had um, Brewers going through. And I even had the Giants going to the World Series. But no, this is a totally different scope and that's what makes this world series so special to me but in terms of the team that everybody has been so talking about in the the worst way possible that they don't deserve to be in the playoffs they're trash everything in the houston astros and we all know the headline behind that and how they cheated in the 2017 world series but i got something to say about that and i really want to get that off my mind in the first segment talk about the world series matchup and uh, see what I think is going to win. I mean, my prediction doesn't really matter because none of my teams uh, really made it through. But hey, who predicted this? So uh, that is the first segment of the day. And then so maybe get into some White Sox, talk about their postseason. But uh, I feel like every White Sox fan is out right now is like old news. I might like mention it briefly, but I'll have a lot of time in the offseason to talk about the White Sox and what their troubles were and what they can do. Maybe in the offseason during which they can make trades or free agent moves and make them better. Who knows? So uh, that's the White Sox for you, at least the little bit of detail. I might go into them today, uh, but I know we're also kind of recovering from that here um, for a lot of my White Sox fans that are friends especially. So uh, my heart goes out to all of you. Uh, so second segment, let's talk about NFL week six action where the or week seven per se, where the bears and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers faced off in Tampa Bay. And yeah, if you're a bears fan, 
you know uh, what happened. And you don't want to have to look back on it, but we have to address the elephant in the room with this Bears team. And we're going to try to do that second segment and also what the other scores were like in week seven, as well as other highlights, notables, and what's to come in NFL week eight. After that, we're going to get into some uh, basketball where I would say the best team in Chicago is um, that of the Chicago Bulls and that of the Chicago Sky, who just uh, won their first ever WNBA championship and never got the chance to talk about it last week. But, of course, we're the, the, the team's still celebrating, and um, I've got a couple things to say about that and a lot to say about this Bulls team, in which I think is going to be awesome. So, I'll be watching the game tonight at 6.40, and right after that, I'll be getting back on the microphone to talk about my reaction. Um, this is It's it's about middle of the day right now on Monday, uh, so I want to like kind of watch everything go out, play out today and then talk about it. So I'll have some post-game reactions today for the Bulls and Toronto Raptors tonight. Uh, and then also in the same segment, get into some Chicago Blackhawks hockey. The worst start, I would say, in Blackhawks franchise history, question mark. Um, I'd say it's definitely one of them, and it's the only time that a team has started the season um, where through 360 minutes worth of hockey, that's six games, six games worth of hockey, um, they never had a lead, including a five-minute three-on-three overtime. Um, they never had a lead. Never. Once. Nada. That's never happened in hockey history. 360 minutes. I... I I my expectations should have had not been set so high for the Hawks, and I'm here today to talk about that uh, in the same basketball segment. So basketball, hockey, and then to end the show today, I got UFC MMA action, talking the latest and everything going on in UFC action this upcoming weekend. We got a fight night, it, it, not a fight night, a UFC pay per view card. I'll be getting into that and more. Um, I'll be gone this weekend, uh, out of town. So I will not be able to watch this event, but it is in Abu Dhabi uh, this time around for the UFC pay-per-view event, um, which is interesting because I think the week right after is UFC 268. I'll get into that and more. So for now, I just want you to sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. The 218th edition of Monday Man of Sports Talk here on October 25th, 2021. I'll be back in just a bit. Stay tuned. Here on October 25th, bringing you all the headlines from Chicago sports and beyond. Bringing me into this segment is Ixon Harmony. And it is that of baseball 2021 World Series action. And who would have guessed? It is that. Of the Houston Astros and Atlanta Braves. One of the lowest records in division winners out of the Atlanta Braves. And uh, I got to tell you, without Ronald Acuna Jr. in the lineup as he is out with a torn ACL, um, 
Braves have done it well just without him. And it, it goes to show it doesn't take a, a, a superstar to get to a certain level. It takes players that spark at the right time. And I'm talking about Eddie Rosario because that he, – he's – I think combined throughout between these two teams, he is the MVP. And also just as well, Jack Peterson, who has come up in massive situations and I think is the catalyst for a, catalyst for a couple of the wins for the Atlanta Braves this postseason. And to, to say it, that the Braves are in the World Series with one of their superstars goes to show this team is playing as a team and rather that relying on one person to carry him out. Obviously, you got to have that one hot header that is consistent, but you also got to have a, a consistent lineup. And if you don't have a consistent lineup, at least have consistent starting pitcher. Um, uh, and if you have consistent starting pitching, it, it, it kind of makes up for it. So the Atlanta Braves have kind of played this postseason out like, you know what? It is the start of a new season, so to speak, when you begin October baseball. It, all the records don't matter. We had three teams over 100 wins in terms of record, and the only 100-win team to make it past the division series was a wild card team in the uh, Los Angeles Dodgers, and they couldn't get it done. So now the Atlanta Braves are in the World Series because of all this. And even that, the Milwaukee Brewers, with their great starting pitching, couldn't have had gotten it done, not even in five games. At least made it to five games. Couldn't have had made it home for that fifth game. Uh, it it goes to show you got to have a team that knows how to win at the right time and has players that knows how to hit at the right time, and that's the epitome of the of both of these teams, if you may say, with the uh, Houston Astros and Atlanta Braves. Both of these teams have performed the way they've needed to in order to be a World Series team. Now. With all that said and done, it's hard for me to make a prediction of this World Series. My heart tells me Atlanta. You know, with Freddie Freeman, who deserves a ring, being the leader of that team for a very long time and not seeing this much success in his whole entire career. So why not get him a ring? And then you got on the other side, Houston Astros. I mean, I don't really have a lot of respect for the guys on that team considering what happened in 2017. But that was 2017. And you got now uh, a veteran manager, a probably Hall of Fame manager, and Dusty Baker, who has only made it to the World Series once, and that was uh, with the San Francisco Giants in 2002 against the Angels, in which he lost. So he's hungry. If you if you have any managers hungry for a World Series ring, it is that of Dusty Baker. Brian Snicker of uh, same thing. He's also another veteran manager that is a hungry. So that's, I think, it could be a very calculated effort for both of these teams in this World Series based on the pitching, um, based on close game scenarios, late game scenarios, runners on scoring in scoring position. All those things are going to matter. You're going to take it back at one specific inning during any series and be like, that was the inning that was the catalyst to changing the dynamic of this series. And there's going to be a lot of those moments in this series that you might have to look back on. That's why it's going to be a good series. I think it has the potential to go seven. And it will be played in Houston. Houston's got home field advantage, I believe, with the better record. I miss the days when the All-Star game defined who's home field for the World Series. I I, I think that should have stayed because it 
makes the All-Star game more significant. Not that it isn't significant enough, but, I mean, what other All-Star game in any sports organization does a winner of the All-Star game gets home field advantage in the championship game in your respective league? Nobody. That's why I was like, you know what? It's hard to split these two because they've never played each other this season. And that's what's going to make this series more interesting is that the, the, the pitches that you think are going to be good might not be as good as you think because they haven't faced each other. Or, even on the other end, pitching can be so good because they haven't seen each other. So the dynamic between that, the transparency, is going to make it such a good series. And um, I think it's going to go six or seven. Definitely six. Um... My heart tells me Atlanta, but I really do believe it's going to be Houston this year. I just think overall they're just a better, well-rounded team. Um, and kind of think of it, you know, I'm going to talk about, like I promised in the intro, I'm going to talk about what I think about this Astros team because I haven't been paying too much attention to them this year. Um, but I know that they were always in contention to be in this kind of position based on their level of skill. I mean, they have a new guy in Jordan Alvarez who could contend for the MVP, and um, especially the MVP of this postseason. If it's not Eddie Rosario or Jacques Peterson, it's Jordan Alvarez. Without Jordan Alvarez, I don't know where this Houston Astros team would be. Alvarez is one of the hottest hitters on the planet, if not the hottest hitter on the planet right now. Um, And I really like him. I I think he's got tremendous power, tremendous uh, accountability, you need that in a baseball player, especially a designated hitter or a, a, a player on the field. They need consistency from. Um, but, you know, I used to love Bregman. Now I don't. You know, that hurt when I figured out the news last year of them cheating in the World Series. I didn't mind Altuve, but um, I think Altuve gets in too much hate. I don't think Altuve was at the center stone of, of the cheating scandal. Um, he, he was just an easy target. Because he's the captain, he should be doing. And obviously, with uh, what I what I made the theory of in on one show uh, about a year ago is I, I said that when Altuve hit that walk off home run off of Chapman, um, he was like, or it was a walk off home run in the ALCS to send him to the World Series. And he was like, "Don't rip my shirt off," and he responded by saying, "I said that because I didn't want them to see one of my tattoos." And I'm like, "Okay," but I mean, I don't know. I feel like at this point in time, if the Astros are proven to not be cheating, which they've already been accused of many times this postseason, um, most notably when they were playing the White Sox and uh, Ryan DePera made made his comments, and I think that's what led to them getting demolished in Game 4 of that series. Um, so, yeah, it, I don't think they are cheating. Um, I, I think Dusty Baker is better than that. We all do. He is hired because he's trusted in that situation. And he's got veteran players on that team that has playoff experience. A lot of it. Actually, if you think about it, the Astros have had, the t- as a team, the most playoff experience in the past seven years. Where he's eight years ago, we never thought that would be because there's all these players in this Astros team, with the exception of Altuve, that did, we didn't even know existed. We didn't know anything about Bregman or uh, Correa or anybody. We, we didn't think these guys would, you know, at the time, Springer. And now he's, of course, on the Toronto Blue Jays. But we didn't know. We we, we just didn't know. Um, 
I, I, I'm not forgiving what Houston did in 2017, but I'll have a newfound respect for them if they win this World Series, because if they can prove that they aren't, they are doing it in a clean way, it's kind of like you know what. You're accusing me of doing all this and we're a trash team and everything. We're going to go out there and prove to you that we are still the best team and we're going to do it in a di- much different and more acceptable way than what we did it in 2017. And I think that's the mindset. And I think that's motivating to them, that they want to do that. And they got young players on that team as well who wasn't even involved in that team in 2017 who was like, yeah, you know, I understand that, you know, I'm in a position but to, you know, be given hate. But I'm on a team that's that's good, that that made it to the World Series. And Kyle Tucker is a great, great example. He's an unbelievable hitter. He's been doing great. Um, and some new 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 players on this Houston team during this, the, these playoffs that have sparked. Um, I think well-rounded wise, Houston's going to win it in six. I, I I have Houston in six this series, um, but my heart tells me I want Atlanta to win. I want Atlanta to win because of Freddie Freeman. I want Atlanta to win because I think they deserve a championship because their football team sucks. Their basketball team is all right. Trey Young, yeah, you're whatever. Uh, but they're not going to beat the Bulls this season. But I'll talk about that later on. You know, Atlanta, they deserve something. Let's just hope that they're not up 28-3 to in the World Series. If it's 28, even though in baseball that would be an impossible comeback, but let's just oh that at one point it, it it I think a twenty eight to three lead in baseball is equivalent to like what would that be best because like you have three points but you have like the lowest amount of points I would say like it'd be seven to one would be the best comparison so in like the eighth inning seventh inning per se so that's I'd say well here let's do the math let's do the math here. This is fun for me. Hold on. Because um, I'm talking like this. I just think of new things that I want to calculate, and this is one of them. So if 20 – let's say if the Atlanta Braves were to be equivalent to winning 28-3, to like the Falcons were beating the New England Patriots in the Super Bowl 28-3 to in the third quarter. So 28 divided by 3, they'll be 9 points off. So it'll be 1 – it'll be 10-1 to in the seventh inning. So, don't be down 10-1. to 1. Don't be up 10-1, to 1, Atlanta Braves, because I'm sure the Houston Astros are going to come back and win. Because that's just what Atlanta sports are like. That's what's going to happen. Calling it right now. Atlanta's going to have a huge lead in one game, and they're going to blow it just like the, the Falcons did it against the, the Patriots. Let's, let's, let's see. I'm excited, but let's see. I'm excited for this World Series because there's a lot of elements behind it that I'm like, yeah, you know what? It's going to be a good series because there's significance behind some certain individuals that maybe deserve a championship and that might be able to renew themselves from the, the gallows of hatred, and that is the Houston Astros. Now, I'm going to repeat myself here. I will never, ever, 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 ever forgive the Astros for what they did in 2017. However, if they do win this World Series this season, they will have a newfound respect with me. 
Now, I will never respect them the way I used to. But I at least want them to renew themselves. And I'm going to say Houston in six. That is my World Series prediction, even though my baseball predictions in this postseason have been absolutely awful. I thought I went to, off to a great start when I predicted both wildcard teams, and then I, all my predictions went down. I remember two weeks ago, literally, I was like, yeah, all my predictions are right so far. And I'm like, bro, like half my teams are down 2-1 to one in the series. Um, so, yeah. Uh, but shout out to baseball. Awesome. So um, to conclude this segment, I will talk briefly on the White Sox. Um, obviously, they, it's old news. And obviously, you might not want to hear it right now. So if you don't want to hear it, skip it, but wait two minutes because this is how long this will take. I do believe this was a great White Sox season. This is the White Sox season that they needed in order for them to rejuvenate themselves and make them believe that they're better than uh, a lot of people thought they were going to be three years ago. And I, th- I think they, they met expectations this year because uh, everybody wanted every, – obviously, everyone wants the World Series. Everyone wants to make it to the World Series and make a name for themselves. But you've got to – I mean – with the Atlanta Braves, let's, I think they're a great example. They have a lot of playoff experience in the past five years. The White Sox don't. Houston Astros, same thing. I think that was the element at which the Astros won. Is No. One game, one thing said. Ryan Tapera saying that the Astros are cheating literally sparked them. And we're like, oh, wow, you're going to tell us about us? We're going to prove to you why we're the better team. And we're going to do everything you said that we're doing at home on your home turf. And they did that in game four at guaranteed right field and destroyed the White Sox. I don't think that could have been any more embarrassing. I'm sorry. And I'm a Cubs fan. Maybe it's a little bit easier for me to say that. And it brings a little smile to my face, but I wanted the White Sox to win. I'm a Chicago guy. This is a Chicago podcast. I want them to win. But they're not going to win with a team that doesn't have as much experience as everyone else in this postseason. Both teams out in the World Series right now have a lot of postseason experience in the past five years. They just, one team just hasn't had much success. The other team has had success, but not in the best taste possible in the cheating scandal. So, um, I think what the White Sox can take out from this year is not only the postseason experience, but knowing that they have the team to be consistent in this AL Central division that can consistently win over and over and over again. Because the trend was in the past five years, it was like two-thirds was the Indians and a third of of that was the Twins. And then in 2015 and 2014, it was more of the Royals. And um, even the Royals won the wild card in 2014 and made it to the World Series. The White Sox have shown themselves to be the strongest suitor for being... AL Central champions over the next three years at the least. They have sustained success. Now, how are they going to build off of that? Well, that is to come. That is what I want to and look forward to explaining over this offseason is how the White Sox will progress. Because I don't think they can get any worse, especially with their developing farm system, with their veteran talent, with the amount of talent that they can bring in, free agency-wise, trade-wise. I just think that maybe they should lay their hands off the trade market based on what happened with Craig Kimbrell. Are they going to pick that option up? Are they going to you know, sign anyone to an extension at which they deserve an extension? 
there's White Sox need to do some work this offseason. Um, they might have to make a decision on Tony Larusa. I don't think he's going. I don't think he should go. He's he's already. You don't want to send a new team to the World Series with a new manager. You don't. You gotta stick with Tony O, man. Um, Tony O is Tony Esposito. God bless his soul. Rest in peace. Um, Tony, Tony, better do it, man. Uh, so that is that for baseball. Um, I think it's time to go on to the next segment, shall we? Yes, yes, it is. Uh, I'm gonna do some football week seven action. Um, look at some scores, look at what happened in the Bears game yesterday. We won't really get in too much detail based on what happened, but what you know, looking forward, what's gonna happen with Matt Nagy? What's gonna happen? Um, you know, now maybe he might be out based on his positive COVID test. Who knows? But let's figure it out here up next on the 218th edition of Monday Madness Sports Slack. Thank you so much for tuning in today. I'll see you in just a second. Stay tuned. Welcome back to the Madness here on October 25th, bringing you all the action in Chicago sports and beyond. This is Intro and Tobu Cloud 9. Bring me here to the second segment of the day, and it is football. Week 7 action in the NFL. So let's begin. Uh, let's just, you know, bite the bullet and just talk about it. Uh, yesterday's game between the Bears and um, uh, Tampa Bay Buccaneers was uh, not as good as the previous week where the Bears lost to the Packers. Um, it was just terrible. It was just, you know, no offense, no defense, all Tom Brady. Well, mainly just all Tampa Bay Buccaneers and Tampa Bay Buccaneers didn't even need their more important weapons in this game. They they just ran all over the Bears. There's just nothing to it. Uh, at least the Bears aren't the Detroit Lions, who are 0-7. And at least the Bears aren't... Uh, I mean, well, hold on. The Giants, who are 2-5. I'm just trying to, you know, take the silver linings out of something. At least the Bears aren't the New York, New, New York Jets. How about it? Um, but seriously, though, how? How do you lose that badly? 34 points in the first half. What was it, 35, I think? Yeah, 35. 35 points. And the Bears defense did pretty okay in the second half, but 35 points? No offense to show for it. Only a field goal. Justin Fields, 22 for 32 with three interceptions. Not a good look. Tom Brady, four touchdown passes on 211 yards. And um, he, he only needed his rusher rushing touchdown. That would have been fine. They would have won the game easy. Just no... No resistance by the Bears. And that's the thing I want to say is if you're not giving any resistance, then what's the point? What's the point with this team? Should I give this team any more time? Should I keep ignoring all these, you know, 
Suspension's now starting to happen. Bilal Nichols, I think, taunted yesterday. Now he um, is getting fined or suspended. You know, this Bears team not, you know, acting cocky for being a bad team right now. I think they could have been 5-2 and two at this point if they could have kept playing like they did against the Bengals and how they played against the Raiders. But now they suck right now. There's just, just no way to sugarcoat it. And, you know, it's easy to blame the coaching. It's easy to play that. But you, it, it, this whole lineup, it, it's different than what we've seen in the past few years. It's different. And I, I just think the Bears fans are expecting too much. I think, you know, Justin Fields being in, yeah, he's great and all. But, I mean, his rookie status shows. He makes mistakes. He makes interesting decisions and he gets emotional he was emotional on the sideline yesterday you know what that's what you get for being on the chicago bears it's literally comes in the package in the contract as a chicago bears player you get some sort of emotional in some sort of an emotional mangle and you don't know how to get out of that box of emotions that you're in and that's just being a bears fan and being a bears player and i hope that's what they feel like in in the ownership group um even that with the potential move now to Arlington Heights, which I think is now going to happen. Um, I still think the Bears in this environment have, have thrived. They just don't see, haven't seemed strong. The only time they seemed strong was in you know the mid-2000s where they actually were a better team. Um, yeah, it's just... You know, I, I just feel like duped a little bit as a fan this year. You know, getting some sort of hope of with the success of the draft being one of the more um, better improved teams. But this Chicago Bears team just isn't it. And you can't have what we saw yesterday. You just can't. I mean, if you want to be a playoff team, that can't happen yesterday. And last year was different because the Bears beat the Buccaneers. And now Tom Brady had to go on a revenge tour against the Bears yesterday based on his mistake last year being that he thought it was fourth down when it was really a turnover on downs. Can't have that. Can't. So I'm just biting the bullet right now with yesterday's loss. Now hopefully the Bears can make up for it next week against the last place team in the NFC West, the San Francisco 49ers. And they don't even seem like a last place team. They are a good team. So the Bears might have a little bit of trouble in that regard. So uh, I'd be lying if I said I wasn't nervous. But maybe should I care about this team? I don't know. It's a Halloween day game. So uh, things might get a little spooky. Who knows? I don't know. And then the next week, the Bears are on the road against the Steelers. Next week is the Ravens and then the Lions. And then they got the Cardinals and then uh, Packers again. And then they finally play the Vikings on December 20th. So, um, I'm just, yeah, I, I, I just want to see this Bears team kind of get the better of the false scope of what they need to do to become the best they can be, but they just can't with Matt Nagy not doing the right things. And I, I think at the end of this season, if this stays like this, we're going to see a, a sort of overhaul, whether that's management, whether that's ownership. Because this, a lot of changes are coming to this Bears organization. I think that goes for Soldier Field, for a new possible location, new possible coach ownership. 
You know, you hope that Justin Fields could be your longtime quarterback, but let's make that happen. Let's make sure he doesn't get injured this season. That is all I got to say on the Bears right now. Um, with the current standings now about almost two-thirds of the way, basically just past a third, actually a third of the way through the season. NFC East, you got the Cowboys 5-1. and one. Um, They are on a collision course now to win the NFC East. They are three games, three and a half games in front of Washington. So it seems like the Cowboys will be in, winning this NFC East. NFC West is the Cardinals being undefeated. Uh, Rams are six and one. Seahawks are two and four, and the Four Niners are two and four, and that I think could quickly become the best division in the league uh, if all those teams start to win. Uh, and that starts tonight with the Monday Night Football game between the Seahawks and who are they playing for? Whoa, 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 whoa! Seahawks and Saints, yes. Um, but uh, I'll be caring more about the Bulls game tonight. So as a Chicago fan, go basketball. <laughs> um, so talk about the NFC North Packers up six and one, two, three and three of the Vikings. They just had a bye week and the bears three and four lions are zero and seven Buccaneers six and one in the NFC South right in front of the saints who are three and two, three and three are the Falcons and three and four are the Panthers going to the AFC side of things. The East bills are four and two Patriots three and four jets one and five and the dolphins are one and six AFC West. Raiders are five and two, Chargers four and two, Chiefs are three and four, and Broncos are three and four. Uh, Bengals five and two, Ravens five and two, Browns four and three, and the Steelers three and three in the AFC North. That is another division in which I think could quickly become very competitive between the Bengals, Ravens, and Browns, and maybe the Steelers if they can make a late run of things. But all the all four of those teams are still in it. AFC South Titans are five and two in what they just crushed. The Kansas City Chiefs yesterday, um, and then the Colts three and four, Jaguars one and five, and the Texans one and five. So I'm thinking the AFC North could very well become the AFC West, um, being the best team, best divisions in the AFC and the NFC. I would think the NFC um, West is the best division in all of football, uh, being that through the first nearly halfway through the season and halfway in what two weeks. Going, things are going by quickly here in the world, so trying to catch up. Uh, game of the week, in my eyes, um, I thought that Falcons-Dolphins game was great yesterday. Um, nice back-and-forth battle, uh, but those are two not-so-great teams. Uh, but, hey, we'll take it. We'll take a good game any day of the week. Um, another game, uh, we just saw the continuation of the Cardinals being good, beating the Texans 31-5. to uh, the Lions losing again, and they're 0-7. Patriots with a very decisive win over the Jets, 54-13. Um, Packers beating Washington, 24-10. That was an easy win. A good game was out of the Broncos and uh, Browns game, 17-14 in favor of the Browns. And that was at not a lot of two, not two close matches in Week 7. A lot of buys this week, so not as many games. But um, good to kind of catch up with the standings as we are now nearing the halfway point of the NFL season. So with that all being said, that is a short uh, football segment here today. Nothing too much, nothing too big. My main thoughts on the Bears, if things keep going the way they are, look forward to a major overhaul. If they, if they want, if the Bears organization wants to do something right, some sort of overhaul has to happen. Whether that's new location, whether that's new coaching, whether that's new ownership, something will have to happen at the end of the season. Because right now, it doesn't seem like much is happening, so just 
kind of bite the bullet and hopefully, you know, things will get better as the season goes on. But uh, as far as that's happening, I'm not really, you know, my I really can't at the moment as a Bears fan commit my time to them if they're going to, you know, show that they are a good team but then not be a good team at all. That's what I make concern. All right, so we are about nearly halfway through today's show here on episode 218 of Monday Man of Sports Talk. And uh, up next, we got some basketball to talk about. Talking about the Chicago Bulls and a little bit of the Chicago Sky, who are the WNBA champions. Coming up next. Uh, so stick with it. See you soon. Welcome back to the Madness here on October 25th, 2021. This is Alex Wardenberg Spirits. So let's get it. Here with some basketball to start us off. Here in the third segment of Monday Madness Sports Talk, the 218th edition. So, Chicago basketball has been very, very, very satisfactory in the past month. Uh, I think the resurgence of the Chicago Bulls and what they did in the offseason, signing Lonzo Ball, Alex Caruso, and DeMar DeRozan, to name just the main three, and the Chicago Sky women's basketball team winning the WNBA Finals for the first time in franchise history. Uh, I was going to talk about that specifically last week, but uh, our family has been blessed with a new dog, and I was here on one of the first days he was at the house. So uh, I took a little break last week for good reason. Uh, So I was going to talk about that last week. So I know, obviously, since it's a bit overdue this week, I will say it is so nice to see the attention that they have so deserved as a very, very strong organization in a strong basketball city is that of the Chicago Sky. And to see the celebration, to see everyone be happy about this victory, it's great, especially in the times where, you know, championships aren't um, per the usual of late here in Chicago, at least since the 2016 Cubs. Um, And then maybe this year, of course, with the success of the White Sox. But uh, we got the Sky. So, you know, if there's one, you know, a few teams failing, there's one team that I always in Chicago am able to root for. And right around this time, it's the Sky. And it was nice to see them make a really good run late on against the Phoenix Mercury. Um, And I'm really happy they didn't play the Las Vegas Aces because I thought that they were the best team in the tournament at the time. But it was such a well-fought playoffs for the Sky. And in a shorter season throughout the what, 35-plus games they played. Chicago Sky was only like a 500 team, and they came into the playoffs. Like I said, for baseball, it's a whole new ball game when it's playoffs. Everyone's 0-0. Got to win your games, and that's what the uh, the Chicago Sky did. And Kansas Parker, in her first year at home in Chicago, gets the WNBA victory championship for her hometown 
city it is quite remarkable. So congratulations to Candace Parker. Unbelievable and inspira- inspirational nonetheless. Uh, so I, I didn't want to go by the show without mentioning the Chicago Sky. So congratulations to them. Um, and hope to see more of uh, success down the road for the for the Sky. And, of course, I'll be talking about it uh, when the time comes. But uh, as well as the Chicago Sky, Chicago basketball is blessed like I said, with the new additions for the Bulls this past offseason, and now with the new additions in terms of young, core, dimensional athletes that I think this Bulls team and this Bulls roster offers. It's so good. You know, I waited specifically tonight here on Monday night, October 25th, for this Bulls-Raptors game to conclude so that I can assure myself that this is the Bulls team that we've wanted. And what we as a fan base and sports analytics here in Chicago have wanted is a team that has good chemistry, that knows what they're doing on the court, that can at least learn from their mistakes and move on and actually be competitive with teams that are the best in the league. If you can be competitive with those teams of the best of the league, anything can happen, especially like I've just mentioned with the Chicago Sky, come playoff time, anything can happen. So, this team is a playoff team that we see in the Chicago Bulls. And this is their first 4-0 start since 1996 in the 97 season with Jordan. Um, It's quite remarkable what this team has done over the past two years. And the change of ownership, not known ownership, but the change of uh, GM and Arturis and what he's done to get this Bulls team back on the map is quite remarkable. And it's so ha- nice to see that happening from the, point of view of a f- from the point of view of a fan whose only success in my eyes has really been watching D. Rose, Derrick Rose, and that team with Joachim Noah and Luol Deng. That was the team I was rooting for mostly as a Chicago Bulls fan. But now I feel like I have a new type of team to root for. And these type of guys that I'm rooting for are guys that I would I love rooting for. All of the guys. Zach Levine. I think universally, universally across the league, he's very well liked. There's nothing bad anyone really says about him. Uh, it's not like there's some players where they're, they're sometimes looked down upon. Like Russell Westbrook has, has that sort of demeanor. And also... Um, Kevin Durant, maybe in that mind. And we all know LeBron James gets some hate, but I don't see much of the hate be directed to Zach Levine. He's such a well-rounded, well-liked, very well-versed athlete that does the job when they need him. And this is also a team in which even if Zach Levine's having a bad night, there's one other guy or two other guys, three other guys even, that can really have an explosive night and help lead and any given night, the Bulls to a, a win. Uh, there is not any point, I think, maybe besides the first game of, of the season against the Pistons where I thought the Bulls were out of range from winning the game. I mean, the Bulls were down at most, what, 13 or 14 against the Pistons in the first game on the road? And it's the Pistons. I wasn't worried about that. Um, but they, the Bulls had their true test tonight against the Raptors in which um, they had a really substantial lead into the third quarter, they had a 20-point lead at one point, and they let it slip away to the point where uh, the Bulls won it on the last shot, where the last shot missed, and the Bulls won by three points. 
and Nikola Vukovic at the end had a free throw situation where he missed the first, made the second, which he could have made both. Both could have won. So, honestly, the one thing that I think really needs to be worked out with with the Bulls is the center position. I know Vukovic is an all-star caliber player. He was an all-star last year. I I understand that he's a very, very good athlete and a very good shooter mid-range and long-range. There's not a lot of not a lot of centers are like that. But he needs to make better choices defensively in my eyes. Um he's going to be your rebound guy. He can he can get 10 plus rebounds a night uh, on average if he really does get into the the position correctly. You know, there's so many guys on this team so well versed and I I just don't see many holes in this lineup. Alex Caruso, he might be your best six man of the year. Already is through the first four games. It's nuts. And it's awesome to see. Um, And where the Bulls do fit in this Eastern Conference is, I would say, atop the tables. Because there isn't really any low expectations for this team like we've had in the past five years. And it's so great to see. Now the Bulls are the last undefeated team in the Eastern Conference with the Hornets losing tonight. And the Bucks are already suffering a loss. Bulls are the best team in the Eastern Conference right now. That's awesome. So good to see that. Um, but right now, in the next 12 games for the Chicago Bulls, 11 of the next 12 are against teams that made the playoffs last year. So coming up next on Thursday night, we're going to have the New York Knicks at the United Center, Bulls and Knicks, 7, uh, 7 p.m., so that's in a couple nights. And then the Jazz come into town on Saturday night. And then the Bulls go on the road to, to Boston, then play two against the 76ers, play one against the Nets, one against the Mavericks. And then the only one team that hasn't made the playoffs last year that the Bulls are playing in the next 12 is that of the Golden State Warriors. And they're great this season. In my eyes, I think they're going to be a top five team. And honestly, the Warriors are the Bulls of the West, if you think about it. You got two, you got multiple all-star caliber players, and we all know Seth Curry is going to be in the in the Hall of Fame at this point. Um, we all know how much potential is in both teams, so that's going to be a great matchup on November 12th. Um, so, I mean, looking at the schedule for this Bulls team for the next 12 games, this is big because they need to show off how good they are at the beginning. They need to show how much they are of a threat, um, so that they get better competition. And I think through this better competition with this team, we'll build up best, better chemistry. Not saying that it isn't great already, but it builds it up. That's why this win tonight felt like a bigger win, knowing that the Bulls learned to getting better in late-game situations. They almost gave up the lead. And they can't do that against teams like Toronto. You got to do that against teams like the 76ers, like the Lakers, who have a big game on on November 15th, and the Clippers on November 14th. Two straight nights against two, two unbelievable opponents. So the Bulls will have a West Coast trip. And then they'll also be in Portland as well. And then against Denver. So this is a huge, huge calendar month for this Bulls team to prove who they really are. And it's going to be fun, Bulls fans. I am very excited to see how this Bulls team progresses. Because it's something special in my eyes. And it's exciting. 
Um, I haven't been ex- this excited about a Bulls team since D Rose. Like I've basically mentioned by saying, I haven't paid about this much attention to basketball in, in terms of Chicago in a very long time. And I think it was by the help of the Chicago Sky. They've really helped me amped up for basketball in Chicago. I felt like that's been missing in the past three years, especially here on Monday Madness Sports Talk. It's all been about baseball. It's all been about hockey in a way. You know, we're we're in remission over uh, the Blackhawks' Stanley Cup runs, and now they're going to suck. So in that regard, let's talk about that really quickly before I get to the next segment and the last segment of UFC. Um, My final thoughts on the Bulls is Zach Levine is the best player on this team. We need to work around him and work basically in the way where, let's say, like I said, if he has a bad game, pick him up. If he has a good game, let him roll. And then you have other guys in DeMar DeRozan who can have all-star caliber uh, performances. And um, I think he's more than capable of that. I think we're going to have a lot of games this season where the the Bulls MVP of the game is going to be so hard to predict because anyone could do it. Any of the five guys, Patrick Williams can do it. Heck, Ayota Sumo might be doing it off the bench. I don't know. But he'll, he'll probably not get as many minutes unless there's an injury. God forbid. And knock on wood. No injuries for this Bulls team. Let's not even mention it. Think about it. Let's just move on. Talk some hockey here. Chicago Blackhawks, the worst start. Now talk about the transparency. You know, the Bulls in the United Center having the best starts since 96. And the Blackhawks having one of the worst starts in NHL history. Basically saying they haven't scored a goal in, or they haven't had a lead in 360 minutes plus five minute three on three overtime. This Blackhawks team right now, there is something wrong in the locker room and it needs to be fixed. And with the re- return of Jonathan Taze, nothing has worked. You know, the signings offseason didn't work. Mark Andre Fleury, he's only had, what, two starts under his belt? It hasn't been that great. Three, two, I think, three starts in, to be exact. They really haven't been great. So this this Blackhawks team needs to fix. I, I mean, I don't see playoffs this season at this point in the first five games. It's crazy. They haven't had a lead this whole season. And I think that's a, that's a record. I, that's a record you don't want. Um, So very, very heartbreaking stuff there. Um. But uh, there are some surprise teams in the NHL that I'd like to talk about before I get to the last segment. But uh, 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 before I get to those, I would like to say what I think is wrong with the Blackhawks. Because uh, I think, I mean, the Blackhawks don't want to make it seem like it's a coaching problem. Because, you know, it could be a locker room problem. And Jonathan Taze even quoted saying, oh, we need to fix what our um, way of communication in the locker room and all that stuff. Yada, yada, yada. But, I mean, I think that's just masking how much of an issue is uh, is the guys in suits and ties behind the bench. It's the coaches. It's the chemistry between the, you know, and if you say that team chemistry is what the problem is, who do you think is part of the catalyst for team chemistry? Who's the, who's the head catalyst? It's the head coach. Jeremy Carlton is very young. He hasn't had a lot of NHL experience besides his Blackhawks team, who since the Joe Quenville signing has skill-wise gone down. You know, honestly, I, I partly blame the Wirtz family, um, the ownership of the Blackhawks. I partly blame Stan Bowman and the decisions he's made. It, it's It's tough to make these decisions, especially after winning three cups in six years. Um, 
But I thought the uh, the, the firing of Joe Quenville was the most ridiculous move in the past five years for the Chicago Blackhawks team. And now Joe Quenville's Florida Panthers right now are the best team in the league at 6-0. and The only 6-0 and team in the league. We just got another one tonight. And 5-0 and are the Blues and 5-0 and are the Oilers. So those are the, the, the hot teams right now. The not teams are the two newest teams in the NHL. The Golden Knights are 1-4. and four, So that's a surprise. Then the Seattle Kraken are 1-4 with one win. Um, and the Oilers, like I said, 5-0. and oh, Sharks 4-1. and one, Flames 3-1. and one, And the Canucks on a 3-2 and two start. But uh, we're not going to focus too much on the standings at this point of the season because we got a whole more, what, 77 games left? So we're very early. But the two teams that have not won a game is the Blackhawks and Coyotes. Seattle Kraken have even won a game. They're new. Um, yeah, uh, those are the only two teams that have yet to win is the Coyotes and Blackhawks. So uh, with this Blackhawks team, I think they play... Wednesday night against the Maple Leafs at home. So uh, please, Blackhawks, just do something to make us all feel better about ourselves in Chicago hockey. Maybe we'll just move to the Chicago Wolves again. And uh, honestly, that's kind of what I want to do. I'm a huge Chicago Wolves fan. I've definitely talked about them on this program. But um, like I said, it all starts with coaching. And with the, the hiring of Jeremy Collinson, and I, I think he's a great hockey mind. I mean, that performance doesn't define how great of a hockey mind you are. But the problem is it depends on what you're given, the cards you're given. It's kind of like FIFA Ultimate Team or NHL Ultimate Team. you got to make the right decisions with your players, and you got to create the right chemistry, right? And if Jonathan Taze is saying it's a chemistry problem, I think it starts with the coaching staff and fixing that. And there's nothing being done on that front. So I think this Blackhawks team, if they aren't getting it any better, if they don't have a win in the next five games again, Jeremy Collison, if he's not fired, I am becoming a Detroit Red Wings fan. And you made me say it, Blackhawks fans, but I will. Actually, I'm just kidding. I'd probably end up being a Minnesota Wild fan because they're actually pretty good this season. So on that note, I know my Minnesota friends are very happy me, me saying that, but it's true, man. You're making me mad. All right. And honest, honestly, I do think the Minnesota Wild deserve a cup once in a while because they haven't done it yet. There, I got you back. Did the Wild win a cup? I got a fact. I don't think the Minnesota Wild have ever won a cup. Wilds. I, I think I might be wrong. I Before I move on, I got to fact check this. Minnesota Wild Stanley Cups. Zero. Not even a conference championship. One division championship in 2007 and 8. Uh, so I was right. I was right to the point where they even have a conference championship. But it's okay. That's why I'm rooting for them now. It's because now I want to see the never happen. I want to see something that we haven't seen yet. That's why I love sports. See a lot of things that you've never seen in your life, and it's exciting. And what else is exciting is MMA, UFC action. Last segment coming up here on the day. Talking about UFC 267 this upcoming Saturday night. Talk about this past weekend and talk about a fight, a boxing fight. 
That is rumored for February. Coming up next here on the 218th edition of Monday Madness Sports Talk. Be right back. Stay tuned. Welcome back to the Madness here on October 25th. 2021. Bringing me into this segment is Galantis Runaway. You and I, the Joni remix. Gotta keep it quiet because we're beyond 1120. And can't wake the baby up. Talking about the dog. It's okay. I think he can, uh, deal with a little UFC segment and uh, I will have to take it down a little bit but that being said I am on the beautiful software of Adobe Audition so uh, I'll be using that to amplify so let's amplify the sports talk with some MMA UFC action let's start us off with what happened this past weekend in the UFC world landscape universe whatever you like to call it it was a fight night between Ella, um it was Marvin Vittori and Paulo Costa the reason why I wanted to talk about this um, event was because of what happened with Paulo Costa before the event started and I've been talking about this for a long time here on my demand sports talk is the weigh-ins and you know being a professional and i wrestled for a very long time and the amount of times i've mentioned that i've wrestled and cut weight on this show is so much to the point where you probably just know by this point that it is a tough task to cut the weight and if you can't do that while being paid eighty thousand dollars roughly for fighting somebody in a professional setting, well, then you shouldn't really be a professional at all. And to be honest with you, Paul Acosta to me hasn't stood out as a professional. I mean, when you're a professional athlete in any sport, you come out as a skillful athlete, a, an approachable person, not always, of course. I mean, every every person has their character, but, you know, and most importantly, your decision-making that ends up being an influencer to your fans, your young fan base, and... Um, contracts maybe even teams that are willing to sign you and gyms in the UFC that you know with the recent um situation with John Jones John Jones literally the night after he got inducted into the Hall of Fame for his fight against Alexander Gustafson literally the same night gets drunk and commits battery and gets sent to jail and within the next week gets kicked out of his gym because he's making bad decisions that's just John Jones for you in a nutshell. But the point of the matter is, is if you're making decisions for you being a professional athlete, making a lot of money doing it within a very short amount of time, you better act up. And Paulo Costa isn't acting up. He couldn't even cut down to 185. Heck, he couldn't even cut down to 195 when Marvin Vittori was like, what, at 190 two days prior to the weigh-ins, which is average for a fighter, for a heavyweight fighter um, that cuts down a lot of um, fat muscles and uh, water weights. So they're they're cutting. It's easier to cut down from 
195 to 185 rather than 140 to 134 because you you're you have less body mass. So Vittori wasn't in a, a bad spot for making 185. He was it was Costa not being prepared. And what that does is it you know for Vittori is it demeans all the hard work he's done to make sure he's in can, um, in the vicinity of being able to cut off the weight because cutting the weight is not easy. So Paula Costa comes in at 195 and not even he's probably like 200 pounds and he's like yeah i can't make 185 you know at least maybe this isn't a championship fight it's a main event fight but can we move it to like 195 and we'll be able to make the fight and Victoria's like yeah dana went's like yeah we can't really cancel a main event within the week so they did that but then all of a sudden costa's like okay well now i can't make 195 can this be a light heavyweight bout out 205 and Dana White's well like like I said I can't cancel this in an event so yeah but now here's Vittori's team and Vittori saying this is unfair I've been cutting weight for two weeks and now I am now almost 15 pounds off you know 15 pounds less only 15 pounds less than the weight I walk around in that's crazy that's unfair I think Vittori should have taken some of Paula Costa's purse even though Paula Costa lost the fight and what I thought was a unanimous decision for Marvin Vittori. He threw a lot of great punches in that fight, a lot of great timely hits, kept Paulo Costa's back against the cage, and he did his job in the in the octagon, even in response to him not making weight. Marvin Vittori, I mean, as people th- think of him as a head-ass in ways, and which he kind of is, a lot of fighters are, he is a professional in that in that aspect. At least he's a professional headass. He's a professional, you know, Paul Costa isn't a professional type of fighter, you see. Now, honestly, that might have been his last fight in the UFC. It could, he could go to Bellator, one championship. Something like that. Maybe PFL, who knows. But Paul Costa, I don't know. I've lost some respect for you. I, you know, I want to see some effort when I don't see the effort, especially from a professional athlete in which I spend my time watching and spend pay-per-view dollars watching. Like, I want you to do your job. That's why um, when the flyweights came to be, uh, Joseph Benavides didn't make weight almost. So or, uh, it was, um, forget forgot his name. But, you know, even at flyweight, when you don't make weight, that's tough. So the point of the matter is stay professional. That's all I got to say. So glad that Vittori got the win. I think that's a statement made saying that, you know, do your job if you want to get paid. Um, I mean, that's pretty straightforward. Do your job, get paid. Um, So let's talk about the next fights that we're going to see us upcoming weekend because we got two straight weekends of pay-per-view cards. Um, I'll have the time next Monday. I'll be back in town next Monday to talk about UFC 268, which is a week from this upcoming Saturday. That's my favorite event of these two events. But let's talk about UFC 267 this weekend. Because next weekend, next Monday, will be a huge, huge, huge show. Because it'll be on 88.3 FM. We talk about UFC 267. And we'll be previewing to UFC 268. It's going to be an insane MMA show. It's going to be an insane baseball show. And football. And of course, more basketball and hockey coming next week so that's something to look forward to for next week but for this ufc 267 previewing what is a pretty decent card i'm gonna miss it and i'm not happy about it but 
honestly, if there's a pay-per-view of the card that I'm going to miss, I'd rather have it be this one. Not saying it's not, like I said, it's a good card. So let's talk about it. Light heavyweight, um, just match up to start off the main card. It is a six-fight main card. Usually it's a five-fight main card, but you're getting six in this one. You get Magomed Ankalaev against Volkan Ozdemir at light heavyweights. That is a good fight. I got Ankalaev coming up against Ozdemir. That's a great fight right there. I think I got Ankalaev. He's such a good showman. Um, very, very technical in his movements, especially as a boxer. And he can wrestle too. So I'm, I'm thinking that he cannot class Volkan Ozdemir in that one. And then up next, we got the return of Kamzat Shemaev. Now, this is honestly my personal fight of the night because uh, I'm really excited to see the development of Kamzat because I think he's the next big thing here in the UFC. Uh, so let's talk about this fight. You got Li Jingliang against Kamzat Shemaev, undefeated Kamzat, looking for his 10th win in the professional ranks. Um, I think this is all Kamzat's fight right here. This is his fight to win. And Li Jingliang has the, the, the tools to do it. I know how great of a fighter he also is, but uh, Shemaev is a very tough opponent. He's very unpredictable. We don't know what he's like when he loses. We don't know how to make him lose. No one does. And now if Li Jingliang, for other fighters in the welterweight division, can expose some of Kamzat Shemaev's weaknesses, that might be uh, an order for this fight. But Li Jingliang will have a very tough task ahead of him on Saturday night. Heavyweight matchup, we got Alexander Volkanovsky and Marcin Tabura. Um, Alexander Volkanovsky is on a good stretch right now. Um, let's, let's look at what he's got. Um, I think he just recently lost to Ciro Gan, um, which was Gan's way to say, hey, I'm going to be the next interim title challenger. Um, but then before that, Volkov did pretty well. He was beating Alistair Overeem in 2021 this season. Um, Curtis Blades, he lost too, but um, he got back up. Fought Waltz Harris, beat Waltz Harris. 2019, he lost. He beat Greg Hardy. Um, and 2018, that's a little bit back, but we'll talk about Derek Lewis knocks him out, um, and then he then beat Fabrice over Doom. So it's kind of like an up and down stretch for Alexander Volkov, but this is the time for him now to get back on the winning stretch. It's like win-loss, win-loss, win-loss for Volkov. So this is the time. Now he has this fight to win. Um, he just lost, so now he's about to win. Uh, and honestly, I'll make that bet just based on that. Um, okay, now this, this is where we get into the more um, talked-about fights because now we get into the Coco main, the non, the only non, the best, I would say, non-title Bouts in the card is Islam Makachev against Dan Hooker. This is a great fight. I've got Makachev winning this fight. This is going to be a close fight, but I think it's going to go the distance and decision, and I think it's going to be Makachev. It's very hard to knock both of these out, but Dan Hooker got knocked out by uh, Michael Chandler, so we never know. But um, it's hard to see a knockout in this fight. But if it does go to anywhere, I think Islam could also submit. He's got a good submission game. So I think Dan Hooker is in it for the ground game if he loses this fight. Um, uh, Makachev does got to take this uh, fight to the ground. If he does, that is his fight to win. Let's go to the Bantamweight co-main event. Uh, Peter Yan against Corey Sandhagen. Uh, this is a really good fight. This was supposed to be Peter Yan and Aljamain Sterling, the current champion. But... Uh, what Peter Han did in his previous fight was he um, grounded Sterling, and uh, while Sterling was on his knee, he um, P- 
Peter Jan struck him while he was grounded, and that's very illegal. So Peter Jan's title belt got stripped. So this is for the interim title shot. And if anybody in the Bantamweight division deserves an interim title shot is that of Corey Sandhagen. So this is the biggest fight of Corey Sandhagen's life. This is my second favorite fight of the night. Um, and I think Sandhagen's got a chance, but Peter Jan's such a tough athlete. Um, and honestly, Sandhagen, if, if Peter Jan would have won, that would have been the next fight. Sandhagen has beaten Algemein Sterling too. So if anybody can give Peter Jan a run for his money, it, it could be Corey Sandhagen. Uh, the main event of this fight evening is um, actually this this main card starts at one o'clock on Saturday because it is in uh, Abu Dhabi. So it's a very early fight card uh, for the fans out there. Um, and you can watch it on ESPN Plus. I actually do not think it's a pay-per-view. Um, yes, I'm correct. It is not a pay-per-view card. So you could watch this entire fight card on ESPN Plus. So uh, honestly, by all means, uh, Jan Blakovic will be fighting Glover to Shara as the main event. And this is a long time coming for Glover to Shara. His last, I would say, opportunity for a, a belt. I would love to see Chichera win. Either way, I have respect for both of these men. Jan Blagovic is such a tough tough opponent for any opponent, um, but Chichera just as well. Uh, I think this is Blagovic's fight to win, but Chichera is going to show some resilience, and uh, I think this will be a all all in the all in the feet. This is a boxing match to the finest, and I think there's some Brazilian um, jujitsu on the mind of Glover Chichera in this fight. Um, let's look at the prelim card. Um, see if there is any notables in this. Cause yeah, we do not have that many notables. Usually if it's a pay-per-view, um, event that usually it starts at nine 30. Um, you're going to have some notable fights, but, um, here's a couple of notable names. This is a very long prelim card. Um, uh, Americani against Leron Murphy. That's a good fight right there. Um, Magomed Mustafa's against Damir Ismagulov. That's a fun name to say. Ismagulov. Uh, um, we got featherweight fight Ricardo Ramos and Zubaira Zukuov. And women's strawweight fight against between Amanda Rebos and Vima Zandiroba. So uh, those are the notables in the prelim card. But this is all about the main card. And all about the free fight. If you have ESPN Plus, if you're paying the $6.99 a month fee, you get this fight card. So uh, why not? Um, and then USC 268 cannot wait for this event. This is the event that I'm looking forward to most. It is at Madison Square Garden. It is welterweight main event. Kamar Usman and Colby Covington, the second. And this is the rematch that I've been waiting for for a very long time. And then you also got another rematch fight between Rose Namajunas and Wiley Zhang. And a lightweight fight between Justin Gaethje, Michael Chandler. And the list goes on and on and on. And I cannot wait to talk about this fight card with you next week on 88.3 FM Harper College Radio. Now, before I end this broadcast today, I want to talk about a fight, a potential fight in the boxing world that got announced today. And that was, drumroll please, the return of Logan Paul against the returning best of the best Mike Tyson. <laughs> like you hear my reaction there, right? It's laughable. Now, obviously we all like these like makeshift you know fantasy matchups. I don't like it. It's stupid. It makes no sense. It's unnecessary. 
Wow, it's tainting the sport. If this fight happens, which it's rumored, it's not official, but it could happen. And honestly, when I when this stuff comes out, I'm believing it. I'm believing that this could happen because you know these two and the 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 pay per view guys all care about the money. It's all matters, right? But this is not a money fight. It's a tainted fight. I'm not paying for this fight. I don't want to watch Mike Tyson go out there against a guy who's much healthier, or at least in much better shape than Mike Tyson. Even though Mike Tyson's probably in amazing shape, probably better shape, way better shape than I'm in. You know, I'm not letting him go out there against Logan Paul, who just went with Forley Mayweather for for eight rounds. Um, I can't do that to Mike Tyson. I can't see that happen to Mike. I just think Mike Tyson needs to chill, <laughs> focus on his marijuana podcast, chill out have his own money, maybe make up a new fight between him and some other old guy or maybe at least some fundraiser fight, whatever, but not against Logan Paul. I don't think even Logan Paul deserves that publicity. He he deserved enough with Floyd Mayweather. Why would you do Mike Tyson? That's all I got to say about it. It's laughable, it's stupid, and it should never happen. That's all I got to say about that. Thank you so much for tuning into this, the 218th edition of Monday Madness Sports Talk. It's been an absolute pleasure today. I filled in an hour and 15 minutes worth of, of content, um, but with five sports. So I uh, got a chance to talk World Series, NFL Week 7, basketball, hockey, and now MMA to end the show. And it's been a, a great pleasure. And like I said, next week, 88.3 FM, Northwest Suburbs of Chicago. Um, and also HarperRadio.com anywhere around the world. And then, as always, on Spotify, Apple, Google Podcasts, you can listen to or your favorite podcast platform. It's probably there just by searching Monday Man of Sports Talk. Thank you so much, everyone. I'll see you next week on the radio. Until then, stay safe. Have a very happy Halloween. And uh, go Bulls. Go Bears. Go Hawks. <laughs>